It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello everybody and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast, I am Ethan Kershaw, joined here alongside with Alex Maurer to bring you all things Real Salt Lake throughout this week, a lot going on, feeling great today, but Alex... How are you doing, my man? Dude, I could not be doing any better. <laughs> I love coming in hot on these episodes when it's been a good RSL dub. But uh, no, it was perfect. It was a great game. Awesome atmosphere at the Riot, considering the weather that kind of kept people away. It was great. And before that, I played some disc golf up at Solitude, which is like the best course probably ever anywhere. I love it so much. You just like take the ski lift up and then you disc golf all the way down the mountain. The last hole's like on the very end of the ski run and it's just like a thousand foot drop off awesome. well, not drop off but it's like a thousand feet and you just walk down the hole it's, it's wonderful it's awesome i love it uh yeah and other than that i didn't really do too much this week uh it was a good time but uh yeah what about you ethan well i'm doing great um a lot of talking tonight and a lot of yelling and so unfortunately i've lost my voice faster than the monarchs have managed to lose games this season but um you know <laughs> I, I will I will give it my all on this pod tonight. I am very excited to be here. Um, happy days lately with Real. Uh, we're going to talk about a fantastic game, which we witnessed tonight. Um, and this week was fun, actually. I was uh, the best man at my, my cousin's wedding, which was super Congratulations. fun. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I've uh, finally, which is huge for me, I, I have loved to play soccer my entire life. And so been able to get two hours of solid soccer, like pickup soccer in without any issues with my knee that's been injured for the last six months. So like I'm buzzing right now, man, like my, my kids coming in August, like middle of August. So just everything is you love to hear. It. And I think your voice sounds great, Ethan. If I had my Michael Jordan flu game like two weeks ago, this is kind of your your setup for that. So I believe in you and I think your performance is going to be off the charts today. Well, thank you very much. I will do my best to live up to expectations today. So, with that being said, and uh, hinting at the Monarchs a little earlier, let's go ahead and jump on into our episode. Today, we're going to start off our episode with some pod trivia with a, a an amazing question that Alex has cooked up for us today. Alex, what do you have? This one actually is incredible, and you hinted at the Monarchs, so if you want to pull up their lineup really quick, that might help you out this week. But this is in my opinion, probably my favorite pod trivia question I have come up with. Okay. So if that just sets the scene for you, Ethan, this is a big one, and I really expect big things from you. Are you ready? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's, let's give it a go. You were born ready. All right, Ethan, listen up. Which Real Monarchs defender is nicknamed the Big Machine? <laughs> the big machine. The big machine. Jeez. All right. Well, hmm. A starting XI graphic would have been great here. So, if uh, only, if only, if, if only I had the bandwidth to do the starting eleven graphic for the Monarchs as well. But you unfortunately, I can hardly, I can hardly handle doing it for the the first team. Yes. <laughs> Which Real Monarchs defender is nicknamed the big machine? The big machine trying to look through the guys that are defenders kind of 
mark some guys off my list. Um, all right. Who do you think is not the big machine? Not the big machine. <laughs> is Luis Rivera here? Luis Rivera is certainly not a big machine. He's I think he's what, 14? 14 year old cannot be the big machine. Yeah, he's tiny. Um, Another hint, Haziel Orozco, too small. Not yeah. a big machine. Uh, Christian Neidier kind of plays like defensive mid. He kind of sometimes plays center back, but I don't think it's him. You don't think he's a big machine? Uh, he's a big machine. He's just not the big machine. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. Um, I could be wrong with this one. Is is Golden Mafuenta? Is he is he a defender? Ding 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 ding! You got it yeah. on the nose. Twenty one year old Zambian international Golden Mafuenta. Nicknamed the Big Machine. I saw it on his Wikipedia page and I confirmed with RSLPR that he is in fact nicknamed the Big Machine. And that is not only my favorite nickname, probably in RSL history, he is now my favorite player in RSL history. Well, that's great to know. It's just um, simply too good to pass up. <laughs> Golden, the Big Machine, Mafuenta. I want right. him on the first team more than I need air. It is so good. That is just such good. That is what a nickname. What an absolute fantastic nickname. And we don't have a lot of good ones on the first team right now. I mean, I think Sergio Cordova's La Pantera, but I mean, it's not it's not great. Savarino, Savagol is pretty good. I mean, I mean if the you special ingredient like Luke Holland was if, pretty good. If you want to stick with like the whole big theme. I guess Taters about, is great, obviously. You want to talk about Sergio Cordova, we could just like say like the big disappointment. Root. Wow, Hayden Hayden is losing his losing his mind right now and tearing out his hair. But we'll yeah. get to that, Ethan. But yes, you you congrats. Big <laughs> dub you. for you today on Pod Trivia. I appreciate it. Well, I'm going to flip Golden it on Lafuenta, you real the quick. Big machine. I'm going to flip it on you real quick. I've got a quick I'm little listening. Pod Trivia question for you. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, so we all know that Zach McMath has been having an excellent season this year. This is going to be a very tough question for you because it's about a question oh about another goalkeeper in the MLS this year. So The MLS. Thank you so much for that. MLS. My bad. Anyways, <laughs> want to know, there's actually somebody else that is tied with Mr. McMath on the season in saves for first place with 59 total saves. Do you know, Alex? Who it that other goalkeeper be, is? It would have to be from a bad team. Okay. So my immediate thought is Chicago. Okay. In Slonina or Slonina. Okay. However you pronounce that. I I, I will tell but you right now that it is I not also, Gabriel ooh, actually. Slonina. It is not. He's not even in the top twenty. Okay, then I think it has to be a team that's played sixteen games, and it has to be a bad team. So Kansas City is now nearing my radar and i think i'm gonna go final answer tim melia tim melia final answer i can tell you right now that unfortunately you are crazy T- tim melia is actually is it the big machine golden mafuenta oh if only <laughs> if only no tim melia is actually 18th in the league in saves which is kind of crazy with 32 that total saves tied for first with zach mcmath in the league for total saves is the opposing team from tonight's goalkeeper, Dang San Jose it. Earthquakes, oh, James yeah. Marcinkowski, tied yeah, with no, Zach at 59 out. goals. The Dang interesting it, yeah, stat about that. all of this is that Marcinkowski has 34 goals against, while Zach McMath only has 19 goals against. Just shows and you that the team is much better. It's obviously a much better built-up stat for Zach McMath. So, anyways, just fun little stat of the day for that you. Is for really, that block. actually is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty and cool. And like kind of weird because also our defense has been good, but for him to give up that many saves, like clearly they're not, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, Zach McNabb. That's weird. That's a weird one. I like that. The that's best keeper in the MLS this year. Is that a hot take? In, in what? Zach McNabb's been the best goalkeeper in the MLS this year. Is that a hot take? In in what? In MLS. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I thought we'd never get there. Yeah, you're gonna have I to don't know that I don't know that I'm willing to give him those flowers just yet. I am. For me, his distribution is still it just leaves it leaves a lot to be desired, and I think okay. to be the greatest goalkeeper in MLS, you need That's to have right. that aspect of your game. It is progressing, maybe I think is fair to say, but yeah, he's been incredible, and he had some huge saves tonight. But we'll get to that. Yes, we will get to that. But first, before we get to that, uh, here on the Golden Mafuenta podcast, we want to jump in and talk Excuse about me, the Big Machine podcast. Thank you very much. The Big Machine podcast. <laughs> we want to talk about the Monarchs. So, Alex, we're going to jump into our Monarch <sighs> minute. And so I've got my stopwatch started. Ready, set, and go. I guess if we have to. Stop me if you've heard this before, but the Real Monarchs lost to the San Jose Earthquakes 2 on Friday night, 1-0 at home in Harriman. The Monarchs had their chances in this one, though, so that is an improvement, I guess. Only real notable takeaways for me is that Axel K went for what I believe was his first full 90 as a professional, and he looked extremely solid. Granted, he is a 14-year-old, so we need to keep that in mind. He still has a lot of learning to do. Other than that, though, no real standouts. Haziel did play center back in this match, which was awesome. He'd been playing center defensive mid, and he wasn't playing it all that well. And so to see him move back uh, was really good. And he played and looked much more comfortable than I think he did at center defensive mid. Gavin Beavers was in goal for the Monarchs. His Jeff Duznip is still apparently injured. It's not the end of the world for Jeff. He's still only 18 years old. But he's missed the entire Monarch season to this point. And these are pretty critical minutes for young players and their development. So I really hope we can see him soon, or rather than later. But other than that, there is no real Monarch updates for me. It's it's a slog, man. It's If you're still tuning into Monarch's matches, <laughs> you deserve a badge or something at this point. That's all I got. Did I get in under 60 seconds? Probably. Close enough. Oh, sure. you never actually start your stopwatch, you cheater. It was a little over a minute. You liar. But it's okay. We'll give it, it was to you content. for today. Yeah, it, it was, was great. And I will add one thing you also mentioned to me as well. It's not super important, but in case you're looking at the, the Monarch's roster and you see some random dude named Hidalgo and you're like, who in the world is this guy? It's actually Bodie Davis. Uh, you had mentioned to me that I believe it was his non-biological father that has adopted him. And so he took on his last name, which is Hidalgo. Is that correct? Yes. Trey tweeted that out that it, I believe yes. it was his stepfather adopted him. And so he took on his, his, his name and changed it to Bodie Hidalgo. So if you see that, that is who that is. We did not make a signing. We just changed some names. That's true. That will take a little bit of uh, getting used to for me at least, but Thank you very much for the Monarchs Minute today, Alex. We appreciate that. You are so, welcome, that. You are so um, Not a lot of talk about the Monarchs. It sucks because... Yeah, I don't know, really want to. It's so much fun to talk about Real, and it's not that much fun to talk <laughs> about the Monarchs. But and like, it's it's kind of fun to geek out over the Monarchs sometimes. Like, yeah. MLS is niche, and I think a lot of people enjoy it because of that fact. And then the Monarchs are like... Yeah, no I cares. don't know how... I, yeah, I don't even know how you get more obscure than than that, really. But it's... I don't know. It's such a bummer. I want them to be good so bad. And not even that I want them to be good. I just want them to compete. And I want them to... Like, I want to see that they're actively building and developing these players. And I don't know. It was good to see Axel K get 90 minutes. We haven't seen a lot of those super, super young guys get a ton of time. I want to see Julio Benitez get more worked into the team. And maybe that comes sooner rather than later because he has been dealing with some injury stuff. Yes. So hopefully he's good to go. Yep. But yeah, that's all I got for the Monarchs. We've given them more time than they deserve. Hey, and you know, especially want- when the first team's playing so well, man. That's true. That's true. And you know, last week on our podcast, we called for Haziel Orozco to play center back, and guess what happened? Hummies from yeah, so Hummies apparently listens clearly, to the podcast. Clearly listening to the podcast. Absolutely. Clearly. So shout out to there's Hummies no and- other way he could get to that 
conclusion. Yeah. With well, absolutely. Shout out to Hami Sin. I know you're out there listening right now. So thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, Hazi El Roscoe should continue to play center back and uh, hopefully more success. I did hear, though, this is a very windy game for the Monarchs. I know we're rambling on about them, but I heard it's a very windy game. The ball was like kicked and it would just like stop in midair is, is what I heard. So if the Monarchs hadn't lost a million games in a row before this, I would allow that excuse. But yes. no, no, they, they, they have not earned the benefit of the excuse. doubt, in my opinion. All right, moving on from the Monarchs, as I'm sure you all are very happy to hear, we're going to talk about this amazing, fantastic, lovely game against the San Jose Earthquakes that RSL played tonight. We are right after the game recording this episode, so you're going to get our fresh, live, raw reaction about the game, about the players. I was very passionate about this game tonight and some of the players, and you'll hear that a little bit later in the, the episode. Alex, uh, this was a, a great game, and just just overall fantastic performances from all of the players. What stood out specifically to you in this game? What stood out to me is your passion, and I think that's rooted in the fact that you did get your predictions absolutely correct, 2-0 RSL win. Let's go. So pat on the back for you there, and I see and I see that passion in your eyes. And yes. You know, you're one step closer to either one, the naming rights of your own child or a $35 gift card, whichever one we decide to yeah. uh, to settle on. I still need sure. to set out that uh, Twitter poll. So sorry about that. But no, I thought this game was awesome. It was so fun. It was great, dude. It's mm-hmm. like dominant performances at home were the bread and butter of the RSL heyday. And from like 2010 to 2013, 14. And to get back to that has been so much fun. I mean, even when we showed up, it was super windy, super cloudy, kind of gloomy looking. And we both said to each other, like, oh, it's going to be it's going to be empty. And it like totally filled up. I don't know that it was quite a sellout, but it totally filled up and it was awesome. And it was loud and the stadiums like decked out and all this new stuff. Like, seriously, every single week we show up, there is like in the like hall to the press box. There was like new RSL wallpaper put up. I don't know. It's crazy. It's just little things like that. And it's. It's so fun, but as as far as the actual game goes, we played pretty tremendously. We didn't give up a whole lot. They had one shot off the post when we were already up, what, 2-0 at that point, I believe, and there wasn't a whole lot in it for the Quakes. I mean, they were missing Cade Cowell, so you have to take that into consideration, but regardless, we were still very solid defensively. The yeah. partnership of Jay Glad and Marcelo Silva, especially him wearing that captain's armband, he's a totally different player when he has that around his arm, and he's a total... He's, he's It's for the better. He's, he's an incredible player when he's the captain. And uh, he's been fantastic. Obviously, he gets the goal tonight. But that partnership for me is what really stood out. And I don't know what they've worked out. I don't know how they've got these kinks ironed out as quickly as they have. But they look like a totally new pairing this season. Marcelo is much more. I don't. I don't want to say that he's he's lessened his ability to get forward because I don't think it's necessarily true. I just think he's better at picking his spots. And I think in the team working on. I mean, clearly an emphasis has been placed on set pieces because you yeah. have a million goals scored from defenders and they mostly come from from corners and set pieces. And I think allowing him to get forward in those kind of moments kind of forces him to stay back. And, you know, he doesn't need to, like, get forward to try to create because he knows he can do it on set pieces. I don't know. I just that that partnership to me has really been the base of not only this game, but this season. I think those two have been so solid next to each other. I think the time Glad spent out was was difficult, but we we managed it. And now that he's back and they both look healthy, there was, you know, a little scare where Silva went down, but he popped right back up. It, they look awesome. It's great. It's so much fun. And I'm just I'm just buzzing, man. There was really I mean, we'll we'll get to some of the 
the more lacking parts of the game, if you yeah. will. I'm thinking of Sergio Cordova, unfortunately. Yes. But but other than that, I don't know. I had a really positive takeaways. Was there anyone for you that in particular stood out beyond Marcelo and Justin Glad? Um, I like that shout with those those two center backs. Um, I in case in case you didn't watch the game or just kind of to, to catch you up. Um, Marcelo Silva in this game gets the game opening goal. Jefferson Savarino takes the corner. It floats across a couple guys, through a couple guys even. And apparently the ball actually touched Tate Schmidt. And then the ball lands perfectly to Marcelo Silva. He puts it away past the keeper for a 1-0 scoreline in this game. And um, <laughs> we'll have a lot to talk about that in a second. But Taters actually ends up getting an assist as well as Savarino per these fun little MLS rules. Um, and then it, the second goal comes from an amazing play, individual play by Jefferson Savarino. The defender for the Quakes heads it backwards, um, and Jefferson Savarino does uh, kind of a, an Anderson Julio from last year-esque goal where he kind of kicks it with one foot a little little bit in the air and then kicks it with the other foot in past the goalkeeper. He had a really tough angle, just a very, uh, I would say, artistic goal there from Jefferson Ooh, Savarino. Um, fantastic and amazing job by him in this game. Very dangerous all game. I, it's, I guess it's maybe a little cliche to talk about the goal scores and everything that stood out, but like, yeah, Jefferson Savarino, man, he, he looked, he looked spry. He looked, um, he looked energetic, very agile, just very dangerous in the attack. Um, he looked a step better than anybody else. Yes. Like, like, like clearly for yeah, the quakes and for absolutely. Arsenal, he looked, he looked the part of a designated player. He was yeah. super clean on the ball. He was creating his defensive work rate was something that Pablo Mastroeni mentioned in post-game pressers that he yeah. was willing to put in that work. And it allows him, you know, to kind of free up in the attack because of the, the you know, the cover in behind that he, he provides. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was so was much amazing. fun and it was so cool to see him score. And you can just in the celebration, you can see how much he enjoys <laughs> being back. I mean, it yeah. was all smiles. It's, it, he, he was probably my man of the match. I don't think that's, you know, groundbreaking news at all. He was, you know, Taters is probably a close second. I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Sava was awesome. Sava was so great. Yeah. It's so good to see him back. Definitely. Yeah. No, Savarino was fantastic in this game. Um, it was it was crazy. We actually outshot San Jose 16 to 7 in this game. We had six shots on target. They only had one shot on target the entire game. Uh, Safarino is a game changer for the team in this one. Um, I also want to point towards another guy that I thought had a fantastic game. Maybe didn't get as much credit because he didn't get any assists or goals, but Justin Merrim. Now at times he looked, you know, there were, there were a couple of passes that weren't on target, but and like his in, free kicks, but uh... I, yes, <laughs> uh, maybe, you know what? I'll say the first half, first half, Justin Merrim was fantastic tonight. He came out with a ton of energy. He was putting moves on guys actually like, Moves that you don't see from a guy generally that is his age. Faking people out, getting balls in the box, sending in dangerous balls. I love to play from Justin Merriman in the first half of the game today. Um, I thought he played well in the first half, tapered off a little bit in the second half. But it's okay. He goes a full 90 minutes. Um, I But I think he should take corners on the one side, and that's just about it. Give me Savarino taking corners on the other side, as well as a majority of set pieces, unless they're really, really far away. Like, that's what I want. You mentioned it, man. We don't want Savarino, who's like five foot six or something. We don't want him chilling in the box amongst the trees. Like, like let's let's get him on set pieces. Am I right, Alex? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Justin Merrim has played his way out of taking set pieces. Yes. Uh, it was windy. It was windy. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe that plays a part, but no, he was really good tonight. He had a 90% passing, uh, 
stat 27 for 30. He was, he was really clean on the ball. He did a lot defensively to help out taters, which I think was pretty, pretty necessary, unfortunately for, for young taters who, well, I mean, he's not really young. I'm going to get panned for saying that, (laughs) but I I thought Maram was exactly what he has been this whole year in this game, which is a solid, good to, I don't know. I I don't want to say great. I I I'm just Good torn on here. Does You're, his dang job? How about he? That? Do, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. He's a very and this. I mean, I genuinely do mean this positively. But he is a very good cog in the machine. Yeah, sure. In this, in the same way that Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva don't always get a lot of the praise that is probably due to them for yeah. the outsized impact their job has on the performance of the team. I think Justin Merriman is probably similar. He is not. The flashiest, he is not as clean as and as quick on the ball as Savarino. He is not a particularly fantastic finisher. I mean, he had the one in Toronto, which was a, a pretty big screamer. Well, I mean, I just want to, you know what? That's not fair. In Vancouver, he had a pretty sweet goal too. So I don't know. I, Justin Miram's, he's, yeah, he's good to great. I'm willing to say that. That's, That's that feels fair. fair to me. Yeah. But uh, I just want to see a little bit more from the wings. I think That's fair. we can see in Savarino, as we said, he's just a level above. And if we could get anywhere near that on the opposite end of the field, I think we would be so, so incredibly dangerous. And I don't know that Miram is that guy. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think Miram still has a lot of, lot of positive attributes to bring to the team, but a part of me would like to see an Anderson Julio or a Johnny Menendez given a chance out there just to see what they have. I know Anderson is probably best utilized as a sub. I have even come around to that. Last year, I was kind of begging for him to start games. I do think that there is so much to be had with him coming off the bench against tired legs that is, unfortunately, like it's it's it's, it's kind of a bummer, but to be so good at one thing that forces you to play fewer minutes is is sad to me, but it's probably fair. But I still want to see Menendez given a shot. I think a lot of people have written him off. He is finally healthy again. He's had two weeks to really get up to game fitness. I would imagine he probably needs a Monarchs match or two yeah. before he's fully ready. Makes sense. And I know it's a small sample size, but man, he looked really bright against Kansas City. And he looked, more than anything, he looked like he wanted to play. Yeah, that's fair. And for a team that is so based off of vibes <laughs> and heart and spirit and grit and all of those. Give him another shot. Exactly. Give him another chance. Sure. And I think being on the left where he is not tasked as much with defensive responsibilities, as we heard in the past, was the reason he didn't make it in the 3-5-2 is because right. he just didn't get back enough. Obviously, I still think the 3-4-3 is our best look. But if he were to play in this 4-4-2, I think he could offer so much more on the wing. Maybe not so much more, but I think he has a lot to give. And I think we would be foolish to... Uh, to write him off. And I think a lot of people want to see him sold in the transfer window. Yeah. I would like to at least see him given a chance before that, that decision is made. But I did think Marin was Marin was solid tonight. Yeah. And a way to potentially make maybe even a little more of a pretty penny off Jonathan Menendez is maybe to get him some more playing time, you know? Yeah. Put him in the shop window a little bit. Exactly. So while we're on the topics of a few, oh, all the forwards that played in this game, Jefferson Savarino got subbed off late. Right after he scores a goal, he comes off, and um, and so did uh, Sergio Cordova, who we're going to talk about here in just a second. But they come off. Anderson Julio and and Michael Chain come in for the last like ten minutes of the game. They played all right, had a couple opportunities, a couple bright spots, but nothing massive from them. Um, Bobby Wood unfortunately goes down early in this game, in about the nineteenth minute, with an injury. 
We're not sure on the status. I asked Pablo about this in the post game presser. He doesn't have an update quite yet for us. It, it looked, sounded bad. Yeah, it, it sounded looked, bad. He said it, he said Bobby's a really tough guy for him to come out in the twentieth minute. It is not a minor knock. He said the prognosis looks bad essentially. Yes. So I would, I mean, not obviously good. We we don't have a, a a perfect update. You know, they don't really ever often have those. Right. You know, right after the game, but it sounded like minimum a month i don't know it sounded bad yeah no reading between the lines it looks like bollywood won't be available for some time which really really stinks for this team rubio rubin comes in the 19th minute does an okay job has a couple of bright spots and i'm not going to knock rubin in this game he just he needed to play you know 80 or 90 minutes i can't do math right now he needed to come in and play 70 minutes in this game and did an okay job but i think our attention needs to be focused on the other striker and the other forward in this game and that's sergio cordova and alex I have loved Sergio Cordova, and I've loved the guy's potential. And I've even said, hey, this guy deserves a starting spot on this team. Well, guess what? I think I'm joining more of your side of things where you're not as <laughs> fond of Sergio Cordova, let's say. Um, this game, he looked bad, just to be flat out honest. He looked very bad, hold up play. Guy couldn't control a ball, couldn't control a dribble, very bad passing. I didn't see a whole lot of positivity. Oh, Let's not forget, the guy has a shot in front of goal, right in front of goal. He puts that ball anywhere else, and it goes in, but he puts it straight at the goalkeeper. Need to finish that, man. That's your job as a striker. Yes, he had two games in a row with goals, but as I just said, it's your job, man. You're a striker. You score goals. And Cordova's not doing that right now consistently enough for me. He looks really bad in this game. With Bobby Wood out, I'm really worried about our strikers going forward. Alex, what think you? Yeah, so you used a lot of really harsh words there, and I wanted to be clear that those were your words and not mine because I take absolutely I take some heat, and I and I want to be I want to be very clear about this because Sergio Cordova is a very enigmatic player amongst the fan base. I believe (laughs) I think that's fair to say. Yes, and the reason I think that is is that so many people are seeing in him unrealized potential and in my opinion unfounded potential if that makes sense so let's break it down i've spent more time thinking about this than i wish i had in my life you know we've only gotten one chance around this (laughs) this crazy thing called life and unfortunately i've spent a lot of time thinking about this and i don't want this to come off as me just panning sergio cordova because i don't think that's productive one and i don't necessarily think it's fun to listen to so i'm going to try to keep this somewhat focused and I'm not going to say optimistic because I, I, I'm not about Sergio Cordova, frankly, and you're laughing at me. But but yeah, let's see yeah, if we no. can get through this. Sergio Cordova is the fourth highest paid player in RSL. Okay. That comes with a certain sense of responsibility. Yes. Because we are a salary cap league. I mean, as much as we can say that is, and as Pablo would want us to, to say, is that every player has a job to do and, you know, it's all based on what you bring to work every single day. We're a salary cap league. Sergio Cordova makes nearly $700,000. That is a big hit. Yeah. For that money, you would expect to see goals and assists from a striker. He mm-hmm. has now played 1,009 MLS minutes. Three goals. 15 games started, or 15 games played, 11 games started. That is a considerable chunk of time. He is no longer adjusting to the league. He is no longer adjusting to his teammates. That is a lot of time. I mean, obviously, there's still going to be, you know, I, it still could get better. It yes. still could, but... Mm-hmm. But what I want to get across is that I believe, in my opinion, what we see is the player that Sergio Cordova is. Yeah, absolutely. It is not his potential 
that we should be banking on anymore. It is sure. this is the player that he is. He has three goals and one assist in a thousand MLS minutes. That's mm-hmm. a goal or assist every two hundred and fifty-two minutes, or nearly one every three games. Wow. Think about that. For one a second, every you know? three games. And one of those goals was <laughs> a tap in that would have been a penalty had Bobby Wood uh or I guess had Sergio Cordova not been there. So I'm not taking that goal away. They all count the same. But for me, for a seven hundred thousand dollar MLS player, a goal or assist once every three games not is enough. not enough to justify this solidified starting spot he has. In this game, he comes away with a sixty-four percent passing percentage. It's it's simply not good enough. He's not very good at link up play. Okay, is he good at hold up play? Not really. Ground duels one, one of five, twenty percent. Aerial duels one, zero of three. I've mentioned this before. He's not very good in the air. For as tall and as physically strong as he looks and as we have been told by players and pablo as well he's not very good in the air he's not very good at hold up play and the most concerning part for me is his first touch especially in tight spaces he does not receive the ball very well with pressure on him and that means he's not a very good hold up number nine center forward he's i mean we brought him in here as a winger and we've tried to play him as a center forward and i don't really know why because all of those attributes are things that you would want from a holdup guy. Bobby Wood is also not really that guy. So we're kind of playing with these two that both look to get in behind and get into spaces. But there's nobody to connect that play because there's not a number 10 and neither of them is willing to do it or yep. capable of doing it. So I, I just don't know with Sergio Cordova. I think this is the player that he is. I don't think we can. He's 24 years old. He's not exactly a young player. I mean, he sure. still hasn't hit his prime, but he's he's no longer in the developmental stage. He's very much in, you know, his professional career. He is, mm-hmm. he, he came from the Bundesliga. I mean, let's, let's be real. It, this is, this is fair criticism for a guy that has played yeah. at a very high level. And he's just not, he, he's not, he's not doing nearly enough. He's, it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating because I want him, if he scores the goal tonight, I, I still say all of the same, the same. Yeah. It's justified. Speech. You know what I give? Uh, or you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Silly. But for me, so much of what he does poorly is in his link up play and in the buildup and in the creation of chances. And that is more concerning to me than his finishing, which has also been not great. I know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a split second decision and he puts it right on the goalie, but he really should be putting that shot away. And even if he does, I still say all of this. He's, I don't know. It's frustrating. And I I think if Dami was healthy, I think he would be seeing much fewer minutes. Now that Bobby Wood has gone down, I don't know exactly what we do because I don't know that you want to trot out Rubio Rubin and Sergio Cordova when they're really the only two healthy strikers. So it does free up the opportunity for us to go 3-4-3 and have one point guy, but I don't know that he really is a great point guy. We've heard from Diego Luna. I asked him post-game in Vancouver, and he says he can play the nine. He says he's done it before. He likes to be kind of a false nine and drift in and create. And I think that could be something we should look for. That would give us more opportunities to play through the middle. It would be hopefully, you know, a guy that we could then grow and then sell on. But I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen. I, I want I want to remain optimistic on Sergio Cordova because Pablo yeah. clearly trusts him, yeah. especially Just in odd. you know pretty clutch situations. I think Sergio. I don't know. He seems to be the last guy taken off from that, you know, attacking rotation. I would like yeah. to see him maybe more on the wing. Maybe you put him on the left for Merrim, but I don't know. His first touch. I Not great. It's I, tough, man. It's And, and I, I don't want to be so much of a Debbie Downer, but it's something that I focus on because we have seen so little production from our forwards. No, oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's fun to have these defenders score all these goals, but it is an indictment on our attacking production. It's just, yeah. that's, that, that's fair. 
Like <laughs> when you're, when your leading goal scorers are Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva and Taters, like that's a problem. It, it's a good problem, yeah. but it is a problem. They shouldn't be, le- they, they should be in addition to, they should not be, you know, leading the way. So we need more from our attackers. And that, that feels fair to me to say about Sergio Cordova, but yeah, Alas, I still want him to. I want to be proven wrong. I want him to come out next week against Columbus and you know fire off some more, some more bangers from distance. But so far, we've seen one bundled in goal, one cleanup tap in, and and one very very nice strike. So yes. I don't know. I think that's the player that he is. I think he has it in him to have some some pretty wonderful moments. But I also think he's played a thousand MLS minutes and has three goals and one assist, and that is not an insignificant amount of time. Yeah, that is all I have to say on Sergio Cordova. I am happy he's an RSL player, and I hope that he starts scoring some more goals because with the Bobby Wood down, we are going to need it, my friend. Ethan, do you have anything else to add on the Sergio Cordova section of this podcast? I'll take the easy road and just say I agree with uh, pretty much everything you said. Um, and, you know, your evaluation of, of Cordova in this game and throughout the season is completely warranted. Uh, I don't think I was as much of a believer, but after watching this game, maybe coming to my senses a little bit, um, I, I think I agree with you. <laughs> no, okay, I don't want it to sound like I'm trying no. to get everyone to turn on Sergio Cordova. That's not at all the case, but I just want us to be realistic in the way yes. that we analyze his play, I guess. I understand what you're saying. I hope everybody else does. If you don't or if you're confused, hit us up. Let us know. We're happy to clarify for you because it's it's a very good evaluation. I think you're pretty spot on with it. and. We, we move on. Um, yeah, just look at where our goals come from. We get a set yes. piece that gets put away by a defender. It's awesome. We've scored a lot of set piece goals. That's great. It's not sustainable, and then we get though. A, exactly. Then we get a moment of Sava brilliance. As you said, it's not really sustainable. We should be seeing yeah. goals from our strikers. That's not yes. a whole lot to ask. So that's that's mostly where this comes from for me. It's not that I just wanted to pick on a guy and just kind of dunk on him. That's not yeah. at all what it is. I think it's just that... We need to be realistic about the salary cap and about the production we are seeing from Sergio Cordova. And he is getting a ton of minutes, a ton of minutes. And so I think it is fair to be critical of him in some of these, these downtimes and then praise him when he, when he scores another banger. But yes, that's, that's all I got. If that day comes, hopefully it comes. He needs to get some more shots. He actually just needs to shoot more in general, man. We were talking. He about, did that you know, this game, though. I mean, there was one where he kind of had a tight angle against the goalie, and, and he, he should have passed it off. back to Severino. But and he, he should have passed it. You know, if it was any other player, yeah. I would say he should have passed it. But yeah. Sergio Cordova has had so many chances early on in the season where he passed them up in favor of probably worse passes that I was happy to see him shoot, even if it was maybe not the right decision in that very moment. Yes. Well, enough with Sergio not Scordova for tonight. Sergio um, Snordova. Thank you very much. Snordova. Fantastic. I love it. Um, all right. Moving on from Snordova, we've got uh, our, our midfielders to talk <laughs> about. And um, I, 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 it's, it's kind of hard because, like, they got subbed out, both the starting midfielders in this game. But it was interesting. Jasper Lawfelson starts. So does Scott Caldwell. Uh, Paulo Ruiz, obviously, is still in Argentina with his family, um, still dealing with some personal matters right now. Um, so he's actually back. So oh. he came back. So he flew in. I asked Pablo Post. Okay, yeah, he flew in. Really, flew you don't in. listen when I ask questions. But uh, Sorry, yes, he flew in yesterday. So yes. Friday, the day before the game. But not available. Uh, yes, but he was he was not available. He also said his back was hurting this morning. It's true. Uh, something to keep an eye on. You know, if a player's got two weeks off and they come back the day before a game. Uh, I don't know. I think it's fine. I also think he was there visiting his family after the passing of his father. And so yeah. I, 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 I'm very happy that he took that time away from work. Yes. If that was the case. But uh, 
yeah, just from just from Pablo's comments, it seems like it shouldn't bleed over into any other game. So it should be fine and we should see him back soon. But he yeah. also mentioned, as you were alluding to, that Scott Caldwell came off with uh, a little bit of a knock and he got knocked up. Was that is those are the exact words that yes, Pablo, Pablo Master used. Up, so he got yes, Scotty, so he's Scott Caldwell just got like knocked me, up. So. Happy Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> and Lafelsund was uh, cramping. So yeah, if you were wondering, it was kind of a weird substitution to sub out your two center mids in a game they were both playing extremely well. Yeah, well, very well. They were uh, playing very well. Yeah, even Pablo admitted he was like, yeah, it was kind of weird, but we had to. So yeah, it was good to see some clarification on that. Good question, Ethan. Yeah, absolutely. Everton, Louise, and uh, Nick Beasley did a bang up job. Everton, Everton had a bicycle kick clearance in the box. It was awesome. It was kick clearance. It was it's his token yellow card. It's incredible how the guy manages to get at least one bicycle clearance and one yellow card per game. He's like, the he best. Just, he He's just the greatest television on the team that. by a mile and a half. He Dude, is he does some television. weird things, but I not as weird him. as Zach McMath juggling the ball with his knees with an incoming attacker. I don't know what he was doing, but it was so fun to watch because it was just so needless. He wasn't even yeah. doing it to waste time because then he immediately played quick. It was hilarious. It that was, was awesome. some Dunsethry. That stuff I would have expected out of David Ochoa, but I'm okay. Glad I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't know that I love the term Dunsethry. When did he start saying that? I don't it's know, weird. Man. Like it's not nobody. Nobody says that. And was he even like that well known for? The Dunsethry Dark Arts. I don't know. I take issue with that. It's All right, some, whatever. Them, well, he's channeling uh, his, yeah, his inner David Ochoa. We'll go with that then. Exactly. It was actually, it was very David Ochoa-esque. <laughs> it, it was fantastic. But um, you mentioned the, the defensive midfielders. Jasper Lawfelsen, I, I just gush about this guy. He's been so impressive for me. And he could potentially end up being like the best player that we've taken out of the draft potentially ever. If he continues at this pace, he's been playing fantastic. Yeah, he's got to pass Tony Beltran. I think that yes. is pretty much yes. pretty solidly the answer. But uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, played everywhere on he's the awesome. field. He's, he's up and down, man. He's got so much energy. Um, just looks and he's really played with a dozen different partners in midfield now, and he yeah. seems comfortable with each and every one of them. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Very technical. He's, it's it's wild. He's so good. Very technical. I think it's also awesome that we've got so much depth at defensive mid. Like. I'm I'm feeling a little more okay with Beasler and Everton, but they're definitely the last two that I would have playing the defensive midfield spot. But like we got Paulo Ruiz, we got Jasper Lawson that you can play there, got Scott Caldwell. Like we're deep at this spot, and it looks very. They want good. you to think you have Haziel Orozco there, but yeah. they're wrong. <laughs> Gross. No, that's oh, not yet, not yet. Maybe later. Maybe later in his career. No, yeah. never. He's a center back. He's a great center back. Don't play him center defensive that way. mid. Who knows? No, you know, stop know. trying to develop him there. He's a great center back. Fernandinho played. Center defensive oh mid goodness. and center back. Oh my goodness! You and Just saying, Olave. he can do Holly. it. But but anyways, defensive midfielders played great in this game. Everton came in, Beezer came in, great relief. Let's move to the defenders, shall we? I would love to, Ethan. Thank you so much for taking us there. Of course, I know you're going to have a lot to say, <laughs> so I might just go first and just adding my two cents because I think I'll be a little bit faster than you. But yeah, I like to get long winded. I, I'm going to join you in applauding Taters, our boy Taters, on the left side today. Um, there were a couple blips, but not too much. He played a very good, solid game in this one. He ends up getting the token assist, I guess you could say, in this game off the Savarino corner. Um, to Marcelo Silva for the goal. Played very well running up and down the sidelines. Good defending, good headers away. Uh, he played pretty smart. I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty smart game from Taters, Alex. Just 
just yeah, I don't know that we necessarily need to spend too much time on Taters. But just gush I, about I feel him. like I need to, to I defend, know you love him. defend my stance. I actually don't think he was very good this game, if oh I'm being gosh. entirely honest. I, I think okay. giving him the assist is unfair, seeing as he barely glanced it, and I don't even think he meant to play it that way. But he gets it nonetheless, and I think his stats are just about equal at this point with Sergio Snortos. So uh, keep that in mind. But shut out. He was he was told as we as we found out in the post game, he was told yesterday that he would be starting this match. Chris Cablon went out injured, so it was Tater. It was a break in case of emergency. Taters, uh, which was awesome. It was great. No, it was it was pretty boring, and I wish he hadn't had to play there. But uh, he was fine. I don't know. It's nice having a left footer on the left side, uh, just for like crosses and stuff. But he really didn't have too many opportunities to get forward. I like Taters in the 3-4-3 where he has fewer defensive responsibilities because I think he's a better attacker than Andrew Brody on the left. Uh, But yeah, speaking of Andrew Brody, I thought he was quietly very good tonight. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, You know, he was like Aaron Herrera-esque. Yes. I mean, there was a play where he didn't make he didn't make any like wild tackles or challenges or fouls that were silly that cost us goals, too. So I very much enjoyed that. He looks very solid, and it just, you know, <laughs> it's it's so funny because he's he's like decent when he plays on the left side, but he's very good. Like every time he plays at right back, man, like just something about him at right back. Like he cut in on this play and ends up drawing a foul just outside the box. Um, he should have passed the ball, but you are correct. Yes, he did that's true. Ball. He drew the foul. It all counts the same. Another play where he's driving down the sideline and he actually cuts back and crosses it in with his left foot, which is something we have like. I know. I was stunned a while, when I saw so it's that. like, oh, he finally starts like using his left foot when he's on the right side. So that was a little odd, but I mean, just just great game, great defending. Um, he got up and down the field very well. Um, to your Tater's point a little earlier about him not getting up the field too much, I will agree. But I did I did see I think near the end of the game. He beat the defender on a nice one-on-one and had a really dangerous cross into the box. He did. I, he did. I just I thought that Taters played good defense. I know I'm jumping back to Taters instead of Brody. I love Brody. He thought he did great. But, like, come on, man. It's a shutout. Like, Taters played 90 minutes in this game. He did great defensively. <laughs> right. He didn't fair. make any no, mistakes, fair. which is unfortunately the barometer sometimes we have to use for Taters because he's been mistake-prone. But, like, defensively, he did his job, man. He did great. Like, just give him a pass. We don't want any Tater slander on this podcast today. So I agree. And the most important part that Tater's brought to this game was, I don't know if you saw the video, but the team released the starting 11 yes. with videos from the players' parents, specifically, <sighs> or their fathers or their kids, if yes. they had them for Father's Day. Incredible. And Tater's his dad gave us a good, go Taters! Go and it is now my favorite video pretty much in the whole entire world. <laughs> so that was pretty much, for me, for my money, that was his biggest contribution to this game. And it was a great one. It was a great one. <laughs> That's fair. Um, if you have anything else you want to say about Andrew Brody, you're, you're, you're free to go ahead and do it. Um, my closing thoughts on Andrew Brody is I'm, I'm very happy when we're missing Aaron Herrera, whether, whether it be due to, in, okay, I'm not happy we're missing Aaron Herrera. I'm happy I was going to say if that. We're missing, if we're missing Aaron Herrera due to injury or red card, like in this game, I'm very happy that we have a guy like Andrew Brody to replace him at that spot because he does just as good, if not even better this season. You mentioned that he might be playing better than Aaron Herrera on the right back spot. Yeah. And this season, man, like, it's a bummer that that's probably true. It's a huge bummer because Aaron Herrera 
we have not seen a lot of regression, I would say, from the majority of the starting 11. Yeah. Outside of Aaron Herrera. He's not been great. Yeah. it's. I mean, he's, he, he hasn't. He hasn't racked up this, the assists that he had last year. He's nowhere near the mark that he was. Defensively, he has not been very solid. And not even in these big moments that he has, like against Vancouver or, as I've mentioned, ad nauseum, the, the foul he, he places on Nashville SC that leads to their first goal in uh, that loss in Nashville. I don't know. It's a bummer. It's a huge bummer because... Yeah. He was probably heading into this season. He was probably our most valuable, highest potential regular starter, right? Yeah. Does yeah. that sound fair? I mean, Pablo Ruiz is in for my money, pretty clearly taken that mantle away from Aaron Herrera. And mm-hmm. it's a huge bummer. Aaron Herrera has regressed to the mean. He was probably the best right back in MLS last year. And now he is a very standard MLS right back. And as you said, like, it's very possible that Andrew Brody played a better game than I think Aaron Herrera might've played in this situation. So I don't know. I don't love that. I hate it. I hate it a lot because I really love Aaron Herrera as a player, but man, I think it's true. So if he comes back, I assume Brody slots right back to left back and Aaron Aaron Herrera goes to the right. But I mean, I I mean, it's the obvious answer, but I don't know that I love it because, well, I mean, there's nothing else you can do. You got to play Aaron, but I just, you just, I just want to see him get through this slump. Okay. What if, what if this happens? So Are what you if... actually going to bench Aaron Herrera? Is no, that that's not happening. Okay. I, okay. I okay. love Aaron Herrera. Um, but what I'm saying is, what if we did a little swaparuski? What if we stuck <laughs> Andrew Brody on the right? And what if we <laughs> put Aaron Herrera on the left? I don't know. Herrera played on the left. What was the game? Was it against DC where he just looked absolutely shambolic? It could have been. I think he might have. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I don't know. Because then I think you're, I don't know. It's I don't know. Tough. I think he's just got to figure it out. I don't know that it's necessarily like, because we know he can't do it. Like he's I don't done love it. He Andrew all of last right, year. Though. I don't know, man. It's so tough. I don't know. That's what, yeah, I agree. It is tough. We don't have a lot of wing back depth, unfortunately. I mean, Schmidt was very much break in case of emergency and beyond him, there really isn't anybody. It'd be Pierre Reedy probably after Taters. Yeah. Let's just shift but that's everybody why I'm like, around. Just, just go to the darn three, four, three already. Yes. Please. Three, four, please. three. We have so many center backs. Let's shift so everybody around. Let's stick. And in those games that we played, I believe we had three shutouts and gave up three yeah. goals in like the five games that we played in the three, four, three. Mm-hmm. We were very solid defensively and we looked a lot better and more creative in attack. So I don't know. Do it again, please, please. I'm begging. And we don't have a number 10, so yeah. it'll be just fine. And we just lost Bobby Wood. So we only and hold back. It'll be great. And, and, and Savarino would have less to do defensively, so we could just leave him up top. It'd Dude, be great. Let's, let's, I just, want it so bad. let's just shift everybody up and over a little bit. So, like, let's throw Savarino over to the left wing. Let's play Aaron Herrera at right wing. And then let's just play, like, Andrew Brody at right wing back and Taters at left wing back. Like, could you Okay, I, I'm not going to go that far, but I appreciate your ambition, Ethan. It'd be fun. I appreciate It'd be your interesting. ambition. Anyways, uh, we're getting a little bit into the preview, which I won't recommend that lineup, but it'd be interesting to see nonetheless. Anyways, um, lastly... From this game, I just want to talk about good old Zach McMath. The guy has been great. There was a play where Jamiro Montero, who I would say is arguably the most dangerous midfielder in the attack for uh, for the Earthquakes, gets through and then almost slips the ball past Zach McMath. But Zach McMath is aware enough to know where the ball is, dives down, grabs it, and Montero was visibly frustrated. He knew that McMath had just taken a goal away from him. Um, great positioning, great communication with the back line to be able to get this shutout. Um, it's not just Marcelo <laughs> Silva and Justin Glad, though. They do a fantastic job. 
A lot of this is McMath organizing that back line. You mentioned his distribution distributions a little suspect at times, but I still think that he's he's a far and away deserved this starting job over David Ochoa. He looks like one of the best goalkeepers in the league, if not the best. Like I think you might just need to write out Zach McMath for the rest of the season, regardless of David Ochoa's status. Yeah, and you know we made it 47 minutes into this podcast without saying his name, but we can't Woo-hoo. avoid it. David Ochoa is not playing for the Monarchs anymore. He played like two random games for them. He has been in California for yeah. like the last couple of weeks. He came back for the Chivas friendly to watch <laughs> from the booth. And now he is back in California, according to his Instagram stories. So, weird. so uh, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Right. Like there's no way he plays yeah, another I think so. for RSL at this point. I don't, that's not insider info, but I don't see how, I mean, it seems like that is, it's just too far gone yeah. of a situation, which is a huge bummer. It's a huge bummer. And we're, we'll, we'll get really into it. I'm sure when, whenever it goes final, whatever that decision is, but yeah, McMath's been awesome in his stead. And this is something, there's another one of those moments where I got to put my hand up. And I do not think that I thought at any point in preseason or the first few games of this year that Zach McMath had this sort of form in him. I just didn't think he was capable of it. And I really wanted Jeff Dusnum to get the minutes because I thought that that would be not only the safer route, but also the more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Impactful route, probably. Mm-hmm. I think he would have had a better, I don't know. But all of that is 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 useless now because Zach McMath has proved me wrong and he's been great. So it's been very nice to have him back there. He has been a super solid force and it is, you know, time to, as Hayden would say, give him his flowers. He's earned them. Yes, absolutely. He's done a fantastic job this season. Um, yeah, I I've, have been impressed with Zach McMath's play. He's playing at an all-time high as far as confidence goes, gelling well with his teammates, so it's fantastic to see. Um, overall, just got to say, man, this was a fantastic game tonight. I love the post-game press conference with Jefferson and, uh, oh man, and Marcelo Silva together, man. It was just, yeah, it was, it was fun awesome. to watch them like, you know, just like play off each other and stuff and, and talk to them. It was fun with that whole vibe. And, and Pablo was great as well, man. It was just a very fun game overall tonight. Just very enjoyable to watch. Sellout crowd kind of again and <laughs> just, Wink. just overall amazing and fun. So I'm very happy with the result. Alex, do you have anything to say about this game before we move on? Yeah, it was awesome. It was so okay. much fun. If you Great. haven't made it out to the riot this season, you absolutely have to. It's a totally different building. It's a totally different vibe. It feels like a totally different team. I mean, yeah. this is the greatest start in club history. It's what? True. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. And we're doing this without Dami. It's incredible. It's so it's so much fun. And I asked Pablo Mastroeni once again who his man of the match was because I know he's never going to give it to me. <laughs> And it's just an excuse for him to go on and speak about all the positives that every player brings to the team. And it's so much fun to listen to. He's just so he's a very, he's an incredibly engaging speaker, Pablo. Yeah. And it's so much fun when we win a game and you can kind of just ask him to just go, just tell him to just tell you about the team and the game. And, and he does. And it's, it's so much fun. And this team's just playing so well and it's starting to feel like it's not an outlier or it's, you know, you can't, win what are we won eight games this year by accident it just doesn't happen so clearly we're a good team clearly this is working i desperately want to see the 343 in the next match but other than that it's it's so much fun i love watching this team and we get back-to-back home games for the first time all season let's go yes yes back-to-back home games um i feel like this team's just running off vibes which is like amazing just 
fun, immaculate, awesome vibe. So absolutely, hundred percent. Back, which back. is you know when it's bad, it's going to be really bad. But yes. when it's like Vancouver, but when it's fun, it's fun. Yeah, when it's fun, it's fun, and uh, it was fun until it's not. I believe that's a quote from you. Alex, so yeah, I think I stole that from a uh, Kaylani album. What is she? It was good until it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was fun until it wasn't. So I kind of stole that from her. Well, it's still speaking fun. of like good lyrics that I love. I asked Marcelo Silva post game about being the captain of the team and like yes. how much it means to him because I adore Captain Marcelo. He's like truly, truthfully, in my heart, I believe he is a much better player when he's wearing the captain's armband. I'm sure the stats bear it out because it's just impossible that it's not true. But I asked him about it and he reiterated twice that Dami is the captain of this team. And in the words of one childish Gambino, what's a leader if he isn't reluctant? And like Silva is so he's just such a good captain, man. Like he, even in that opportunity where I kind of just want him to like pat himself on the back a little bit, he still, you know, defers to Dami. And that's just what good leaders do, man. They just lead by example, do their thing. And he's, he's killing it. I love seeing him score goals. I love seeing him celebrate. I love seeing him and Justin Glad just lock it down in the back. Oh my goodness. Marcelo Silva, greatest player in Arsenal history. Just kidding, but I do love him. And I love him when he wears the captain's armband. Sure. That's fantastic. All right. Moving on from this uh, re- game review. from Also, the, the Quakes didn't have Kate Cowell, and that was great for us. Well, they didn't have Kate Cowell. <laughs> like they also didn't, didn't have Wondolowski, which was also great for us. Yeah. So that was that was helpful. But yeah, yes. we simply great. Definitely. But anyways, moving on from this game is fantastic. We're moving on, as you mentioned, Back-to-back home games for the first time for Real this season. We are the last team in MLS. You know, see how they're in, say the MLS. Thank in MLS so to not uh, to not have back-to-back home games. Or I guess the last team to finally get back-to-back home games is Real Salt Lake. So it'll be a home game this week. Um, it'll be Saturday, June 25th at the Riot. 8 p.m. is the kickoff time. Um, it'll be a fun game. Firework game as well. So make sure to stay for the fireworks. Make sure to make it out for this game. It'll be a fun firework game. Yes, it is. I've already double-checked that before. Like eight. Why is it a fireworks game? Why? Yeah. Because I don't think we have a home game like the week of July 4th or something. So. <laughs> They're just doing it this week. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so, any excuse for fireworks. Fireworks of the right are great. When you go out on the grass, it's so much fun. Yes, absolutely. I, you I get hit heard... by like, firework debris as it falls down. Yes. Great. Meg uh, from RSL Communications also let me know that it will be on the field. So make sure to get your tickets to this game so that you can go down on the field after the game's over. Just kind of relax and watch some awesome fireworks. So um, make sure to be there. We will be there watching that game. It'll be a real fun one. Um, We're going to preview that game a little bit right now and um, kind of talk about what we think because this game will be a little interesting. We get Aaron Herrera back. He's off red card suspension. So he'll be back in this game. But it's looking like we probably won't have Bobby Wood. Again, no Demir Krylock still. So the the up top striker situation is going to be a little iffy, going to be a little interesting. As you mentioned, this is the perfect time to whip out the 3-4-3. And for me, I really think that that will be best shown by doing a, a a formation with one striker, which is a little tough sometimes if you're starting like... And I think, I think, I'll get into this a little bit, but I think Cordova might start just because Pablo loves him so much. I don't think he should start this game. I think it should probably be Rubio Rubin. But that would be a one-striker formation, a right wing, a left wing, right wing back kind of thing, left wing back kind of thing, two central midfielders, and then three center backs with your goalkeeper. So that's kind of the formation that we're looking at. We think probably should be utilized in this game. Alex, are you kind of thinking around the same lines as me? I've kind of spoken for you here. Apologize. Buddy, rewind the tapes. I have been touting this 
formation and this this look for RSL for like three weeks, four right. weeks, five weeks, six weeks. I've, I've been doing it all season. Ever I think since it's we saw time it now, Houston, though, especially with no ball. I think it looked great. I think it looked awesome. And New England, it was so much fun. Yeah. I think there's no excuse to not do it. We don't have very many healthy forwards. We don't have forwards that are producing. You know so Pablo get rid of won't. them. Get the wingers that are doing well higher up the field with fewer defensive responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't know, go crazy. Let Diego Luna start as center forward and see what he can bring. I don't know. Start Anderson Julio. See what he can bring. Do something to get more production out of our forwards. But yeah, I think that's the best look for this team. I think our center backs are so solid and we have so many of them that I want to see more of them on the field. And the return of Pablo Ruiz and Aaron Herrera to the lineup should bring good things. So I'm extremely optimistic about this game, Ethan. I, I think we have enough guys back healthy, and it's unfortunate that Bobby Wood has fallen victim to injury in this game, or in this this last game against um against San Jose. But I, I think we're able we're going to be able to field a very strong team in this game. It's at home again. Uh, keep in mind, Real still. Un- let's not. Remember the stupid USL Cup or whatever stupid US game. Open Cup game. US they Open keep Cup saying game. they're undefeated at home. They're undefeated at home <sighs> in league play. Forget about that game and just love the fact that in MLS league play, we are undefeated at home. And so um, let's predict the game. I'm going to go ahead and go first. And um, got to say that I just think that that continues. Um, Columbus hasn't been a fantastic team on the road. Um, but they have scored a total of four goals over their last three road games. If you take a snapshot of their last 10 games total, they've actually lost half of those games, drawn three of those, and only won two of them. So not a fantastic last 10-game streak for the Columbus crew. They've been a little shaky. I think they're sitting in 10th right now in the East, if I'm not mistaken. That is so correct. Not a fantastic team by any means. They're coming to, to the riot. I, I just... I think that so many things are adding up. It, we are trying to find a trap game for RSL at home, and we're, we just keep looking for one and say, oh, like this might be a trap game, but it just never happens. At this point, you need to be 100% all-in confident in this team, and that's probably when they'll let you down. But at the same time, this team just looks so good at home. Like you, They just seem like they cannot be beat. And so I have to go with a win prediction in this game. But we've seen that Columbus Crew are a decent team on the road. Like, they can score goals. But I still don't think they're going to win. So what I'm going to predict is I'm going to say that this will be a 2-1 to one win for Real Salt Lake in this game. Alex, what do you think, man? I'm going 3-0, dude. I'm I'm, I'm confident. Awesome. Columbus is bad. They've won two of their last 10, as you said. Yeah. I pulled that stat up, too, so I was really sad to see you beat me to it. Sorry. And there's no reason to believe that RSL is going to not win at home. I think that's one of those things that like kind of, I'm going to have to believe it until proven otherwise. So I, I I expect a win and we have been very solid defensively. And hopefully if we do go to that three, four, three, we have even more cover back there. And so I I don't see any, I don't foresee any Columbus goals. So I'm going to go three zero Ethan. And I am, I am falling deep in the predictions standings. Uh, I am four points. You're on eight right now. So I really do need to get this one right. And I need to get it right in a big way. I've just edited your score in the uh, the the show doc because it says it said two to zero RSL win. I just updated that to three zero RSL win. Are you yeah, okay with me? No, doing when that? you when you went two to one, I was willing to go more bold. I was okay. willing. I, I I really need those three points, and uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Fantastic. I I love that. I love after that talking about bold. RSL for an hour and how great they are. I feel one goal better about our game in Columbus. Well, that's great. Awesome. I, I love that uh, that confidence. And, you know, I actually hope that happens. I hope they absolutely crush the Columbus crew. So that would be a fantastic game to watch. 
and the fireworks after would be fantastic. But um, my my one to watch in this game is a guy that I've already mentioned a little bit. I think is going to be integral no matter where he plays or when he comes in and plays, or if he starts even. But it's going to be Rubio Rubin. Okay? So Sergio Cordova probably will start at striker this game, regardless if they switch formation or not. Pablo just loves Sergio Cordova so much for that potential. And like, it's, it's kind of tough because we've talked in length of, of, of how much we feel like Cordova doesn't deserve as many minutes as he's getting. So I feel like it's logical to start Rubio Rubin in this game. If you want to start him up top alone, maybe up top with Cordova, so be it. But I think it's time we give Rubio Rubin another chance. Now, I understand he hasn't been super productive in league play this year. He's been a little iffy. He did have an injury as well, so give him a little bit of a break there. But let's not forget, like, a little bit of news as well, I guess, this week. Rubio Rubin played, I believe, his first game, his first actual game with Guatemala this week against the Dominican Republic. Granted, it was only against the Dominican Republic, who aren't a great, fantastic team. But he ends up scoring two goals and another one, which really should have been a third, but it was called back, unfortunately. But, like, that's the kind of productivity that I want to see out of Rubio Rubin playing in league play. That I think we can get out of him. It is definitely possible. Last year, you talked about it as well. Last year, he had an eight-game streak with a goal in each of those games. Like, if this guy gets confident and he gets rolling, why not? Why not get a start over Cordova? I think we got to give him a chance. We're playing super well right now. I think it's a great time to get him on a roll. So Rubio Rubin, whether he starts or whether he comes in this game late, is going to be my one to watch in this game. He needs to get a goal, and I think he does that. Alex? Yeah, I really like that because one of the things that Sergio Cordova and all of our strikers really are not very good at is creating for themselves. Mm -hmm. And Rubio Rubin does that, and he does it pretty well. The only issue is that he's not going to get a whole lot of service because we're not playing with a number 10. And that's often where he finds himself in pretty decent spots to create those and, you know, take guys one-on-one and things like that. But I do think he offers something a lot different than Bobby Wood or Sergio Cordova. Neither of them have been working all that great. So why not go for something new? I know I mentioned Diego Luna earlier and I wish I could make him my one to watch, but he is on us youth national team duty with the Mm -hmm. U twenties. And so he will not be available for this next game. So if Rubio Rubin is up top, I am interested to see if he has a partner, if he's up there with Sergio Cordova or an Anderson Julio, or if he's up there alone. I want to see him up there alone and see what he can do. It's kind of weird that he's been frozen out, in my opinion, uh, under Pablo Mastroeni, but that seems to be the case. So hopefully he does get a chance. If, however, I were to pick my one to watch, it is going to be my favorite player in an RSL jersey this year, Marcel. Well, it's Pablo Ruiz, but it's Marcelo Silva this week because it. he was he was freaking fantastic, man. Yeah, and I want to see. I want to really key in on his partnership with Justin Glad and try to figure out how it has become so much more consistent and solid week in, week out than it was last year. I just really don't know what's changed all that much. They're just much better. I don't know if they're much better communicators. I don't know if it's Marcelo maturing a little bit and no longer chasing balls up the field that he doesn't need to. He's making much better and cleaner tackles than he has in the past. And he's scoring goals. Like, what more could you want from the player to watch, Ethan? So that's my guy. I, I, I love that shout. Uh, Marcelo Silva will be very important. If your scoreline that you've predicted holds at that 3-0, he'll need another shutout in this one uh, defensively. And I think he's more than up for the task. And he's probably so. going to get two more goals. There we go. Leading scorer on the season. You've heard it here first. <laughs> Marcelo Silva per prediction by Alex Maurer. So exactly. We will Check see about that week. one. Be a fantastic game to watch. Make sure you tune in. Um, 
I, I think that's all for me on the prediction and, and preview for this game. Alex, do you have anything else to talk about on this game or even on the episode that we might have missed today? Trying to remember if I've missed anything, but I don't think we have. The new MLS Apple deal, which we're not going to get into, is good, in my opinion. I like that there's no blackouts. I hope that Dunny gets to stay on the broadcast, and I agree with everything else everyone else has said. It's a good deal. I'm excited for it. I agree. It'll be very fun to watch, and hopefully it's not super expensive, but I don't think it will be. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it'll be okay. All right. Well, wrapping everything up now, I, I think that's it for us on the podcast tonight. It is currently 12.40 a.m. Sunday yeah, it's time morning, to go to bed. technically. So we are pretty exhausted, but we are happy to have been here on the RSL Sundays podcast. Thank you all so very much for listening and putting in your time. Really appreciate it. Please interact with us on Twitter. You can find me at Ethan Kershaw 9, and you can find Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Also, be sure to hit up the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter is where you can find them. That's also where you can find all of our episodes and podcasts. So with that being said, thank you all again for tuning in. Please make sure you go to the the Real game this week. It'll be a fantastic one. I hope you all have a fantastic night and a wonderful week. We will talk to you all later. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.